What's up, Story Geeks? On today's podcast, Scott Nicewander from NerdSync joins Daryl and me, Jay, to make Aquaman better. The two of them will be competing, and I will be moderating this show. Daryl and Scott have some amazing changes for Aquaman to make it better. But to hear more of our thoughts and more thoughts from our bloggers, Ashley and Anthony, head over to thestorygeeks.com. You can also share your thoughts on how you would make Aquaman better there as well. And while you're over at thestorygeeks.com, we'd love it if you would become a supporter. If you support the Story Geeks on Patreon, you'll get access to our premium content, including all of our Aftercasts and audiobooks. On today's Aftercast, we're going to share more ways that we would make Aquaman better, including casting changes and any kind of cast or crew changes we want to. So we get really deep into that. And I actually compare Aquaman to Coco, which is totally bizarre, but you have to listen to that. So become a supporter and unlock access to that premium content right now. Thanks for listening in. The Story Geeks podcast is produced by the Reclamation Society. Let's make Aquaman better. I'm pretty excited about this. <laughs> but you, you get to moderate we, for the first time. I get to moderate for the first time, which means I do not have to argue, which is uh, a joy, actually. <laughs> it's a joy to argue, but it's also a joy to sit back and listen to other people argue. <laughs> yes, well, I hear you. The way it's going to work is each, both Scott and Daryl have three points to make this movie better, to make Aquaman better, and then I get to moderate. I get to choose which idea I like better. Now, it's a little different than our defendants because there's no counterpoints. It's just presenting an idea and they're going to go up head to head and then I get to choose which one of their ideas I like better. I'll be awarding a point for each one of those and then I will be asking a moderator question wherein I will award two points to that uh, answer. So, yeah. very excited about this. We have Scott Nicewander joining us, which is always a pleasure. Scott, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, can you please refer to me as Scott Quaman for the rest of this uh, <laughs> episode? Thank you very much. Yes, absolutely. I appreciate it in advance. Thank you. Uh, so as you know, Scott is, um, you're, you're probably already a fan, because if you listen to him on our show, you know he's an awesome guy, and he has an amazing Aww. YouTube channel. So Scott is from NerdSync. NerdSync is putting out phenomenal content. How long was your video that you released today, Scott? <laughs> uh, just under 38 minutes long. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, I made a video where I analyzed, uh, you know, the pretty depressing topic of, uh, you know, Superman's uncomfortable history with nuclear weapons throughout uh, movies and comics and all sorts of stuff. So that's kind of like, you know, that's a good feeler video for the uh, the kind of uh, content <laughs> you'll uh, you'll see on my little channel. Little lighthearted fare. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's you're a fun now time like, for the whole family. You're now like the uh, the Zack Snyder of YouTubers. You're going to have the you're going to have the like oh. an ultimate edition release later on where it's going to be about an hour and a half. Oh, I'm even <laughs> modeling my visuals after it. I had Ooh. like all the well, lighting and the sets and the 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 makeup on and everything too. The difference though is you'll keep making new things and you won't spend all your time talking about the things you already made five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> is, are you? How dare you, sir? What insult Zack Snyder I? like that? No, I'm just teasing. You want you want another little tidbit on Batman versus Superman? <laughs> Haven't yes. you had enough yet? <laughs> well, it's funny no. you mention that because my first fix would be I want Zack Snyder to do oh, Aquaman. No. <laughs> <laughs> I like that fix. Point awarded to. Squ- Scott Scott Quaman. It's hard you. to say, actually. It Scott is hard to say. Scott you don't have to do it. Don't you don't don't commit. <laughs> I so, won't. Scott, one of my great joys of podcasting for the last year or so has been getting to call you my friend. And Aww, thank you. You are a great dude and a great uh, producer of content and a really mm-hmm. smart guy. Mm-hmm. And I have to destroy you. Yep, there it is. I knew Ooh. it. I knew. I it. have not 
been don't. victorious in any of these shows so far. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I need it. Do not pull any punches, because uh, I won't. So. <laughs> well, let's jump into it, guys. Uh, it should be a good battle. It should be a fair battle, and it should be a really interesting battle. We are going to now make Aquaman better, or at least you guys are going to try to do that. On the aftercast, by the way, all three of us will be talking about things that we would do to make Aquaman better, and we don't have to play by the rules because the rules always are that they have to be story-oriented. You can't recast. You can't add a new director. can't add new crew of any kind. We definitely need a new gaffer in this movie, but we won't talk about it. I'm just teasing. The best I don't even know who's weak. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the key grip sucked. No. Uh, I don't know who the key grip was, but the visuals are amazing, so probably awesome. Um, so who wants to go first? Should we do a, a randomization? I think, I mean, Scott is the biggest Aquaman fan that I've ever oh, met. So. Oh, so he okay. goes first? I, I, you you, you uh, I'll back secede. Yeah, yeah okay. I'll go, I'll go yeah. first. Let's go for it. All right, okay. let's hear it. So I, I want to say first and foremost that I really did enjoy this movie, and I like loved it a lot. Uh, that being said... I do recognize the the many flaws that I would change, as you'll see, or hear, rather, throughout this podcast. The first one I have is very minor, um, but I wanted to use it because I think it's it's a critical part of, of, of the world of Aquaman, and I think they didn't do a very good job. So in the movie, the first time we get a glimpse of Atlantis, it's like, it's like a a bridge that's just traffic and i feel like that's the <laughs> worst way to introduce atlantis is you know here it is a traffic jam to get inside so like visually this is a storytelling element that's supposed to be very very grand and very over the top and and give us a sense of atlantis and i feel like we're robbed of that until until we get through the the walls and the gates and everything and then we get atlantis proper and i just think that's a silly way to introduce this hugely important part of of aquaman's lore and even it just doesn't carry the the weight that i wanted it to you look at you know i i know we don't like to compare things to like the marvel properties but if you look at like any introduction of asgard is like this grand thing or or wakanda you know your first introduction there you get to see all of the buildings and all of the culture uh with atlantis the first time we get to see it is like it's like that yeah it's just it's like a traffic jam and then we go inside <laughs> it's like the bifrost at rush hour it yeah. really is. That's exactly what it is. Honestly, so, it looks a lot like the Bifrost. Series, so. <laughs> I've heard so many people compare this movie to like Wet Thor, and it's just like, all right, but th it is very similar. And I, yeah, I wish for the. It's such a minor detail, um, but it's so important. I think to to introduce it properly, and I just think we need we need that moment. To, to carry a little bit more of an impact. We see Atlantis for the first time, and I don't want to be waiting outside. I want to be in Atlantis. You know what I mean? Mm. That's my one. That's my first tiny one. Don't worry. My other two are huge. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the tiny one that mattered to me the most, I think. All right. So we've got Scott goes with visual introduction of Atlantis, needs to pack more of a punch and go straight to the broader definition yes all right first of all uh wet thor 
not at all something I'm interested in seeing. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't sound like a good movie. Well, then probably avoid Age of Ultron. Yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah, that's right. The, the jacuzzi, <laughs> the, the dream jacuzzi or whatever it was he was in. Um, it's interesting that this is your first choice because my first choice, coincidentally, has to do with visuals as well. Um, and I realized that this might might anger a few people at first, but I'll just go ahead and say it. I want to tone down the spectacle of this movie. Now, I love, I know people love all the monsters and, you know, all of the craziness that you see, the octopus playing drums and all that kind of stuff, you know, all the, all the, the crazy things that you get to see in this film. I think it's over the top and I think the visual difference between what we see on land and what we see underwater is too stark and not in the right way. Because the stuff on land, you have practical effects and you have really cool, well-thought-out sequences. And then underwater, it's kind of like a CGI fest. And I think a better way to go would have been to sort of embrace sort of this uh, mystery of the deep kind of vibe and actually make things murkier in the water harder to see not so clear not so colorful and actually add some menace to some of these creatures that we see and you know create a sense of intimidation about all the stuff that's under there once we get inside of the buildings in atlantis and stuff like that we can still have you know the beautiful grand palaces and you know all of the glory that you would want atlantis to have but i think as we're out in the ocean it would be really cool to embrace sort of the fear of what it would really feel like to be that deep in the water, (laughs) you know? Mm. And I sort of liken it to the abyss, James Cameron's the abyss, Mm. which has that sense of fear and darkness under the water. And then when they meet the creatures that are down there, they kind of bring their own bright light with them and they're, you know, they're bioluminescent and it's a really cool interplay between you know, it's really bright and cool right around them, but then right on the edge of them, there's this vast darkness of the ocean. And I just feel like we're missing that. We're missing the intimidation of murky water and hmm. things are too clear, too too bright and too crisp. And I want to embrace that fear a little bit more. Hmm. So Scott says, don't show me the freeway. And Daryl <laughs> says... Give me the Meg. Don't just give me the Meg. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so... How about give me Jaws? Let's go with that. That's more Ooh, what I yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mysterious. Wait, no, wait. I'm not supposed to be helping you. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, when you first started yours, Daryl, I was thinking to myself, oh, Scott's won this one. But then I you told said, you it might sound weird at first. Yeah, you said Mystery of the Deep. And when you said that, you almost lost me with bio bioluminescence because i thought avatar for a second and so i was like wait a minute what is he talking about (laughs) but mystery of the deep is really the right way to go and not only that but i think we had that in the beginning of the film when we got to see uh nicole kidman wash up onto the shore because it's like who is this person where did she come from like all that kind of stuff it is a mystery just so happens she lives in the deep so there you go Mm. so i uh I like that. So I'm going to award one point to Daryl Smith. Hey, thank you. Oh, both no. both great arguments, and I agree with both story changes, but just barely edging out, barely edging out there. I should say, too, I mean, I didn't put this in as my argument because I didn't think about it until now, but 
one of my favorite scenes in this movie is when they have the trench. Yes. And that is what I'm talking about. That like embraces yeah. the mystery of the deep. You have that creepy mm. shot where you can see from the flare, you can see the red and all the yeah. creatures swimming up. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of the most visually interesting moments of the movie. Totally. And, and also it just shows like James Wan's like horror, uh, you know, yeah, style. exactly. He's. It seems like he sort of lost his for the in, in most of the rest of the movie. He lost his creepiness, you know. And I'm like, but, I mean, when they were beginning, when they were being attacked on that boat, I was like genuinely like scared. I was like, yeah. oh man, this is creepy. These, that these was, creatures are cool. Oh. Yeah. yeah, that was a fantastic scene. Yeah. All right, Scott, what's your what is your next your next argument here? How are we going to uh, make this better? Yeah, well, it's funny. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the the drumming octopus because my next change is I <laughs> more, want more drumming uh, octopus the entire movie but from the octopus's uh, perspective. Um, <laughs> no, I so a big tentacle passes in front of the screen every few seconds. I think we can call exactly, it a wrap. Yeah. Scott has now won the contest. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, no, I love I love the the reference to Topo, which is great. But that's not at all what I'm talking about. Uh, I my my biggest change probably is I and I'm sorry and I, I feel like I need to defend myself here immediately after I say this, but get rid of Black Manta in this movie. Mm. Um there's so much going on in this movie. There's so much with Orm and Atlantis, and they already introduced a character who was supposed to be like a henchman to Orm, which is Merc, I believe. And <laughs> Merc is not used particularly well. And to, I had to see the movie a second time before I realized that it was the same henchman across multiple scenes because of the Atlantean armor that makes it hard to see faces when people are fighting constantly. Um, but I would just say get rid of Black Manta from this movie um, and really just keep establishing all of the Atlantis stuff. But I like the idea of still having the submarine attack the meeting that Orm is having at the beginning of the movie. Like, that's the inciting incident, right? So they're still attacked by that submarine, but it's never explained that it was Black Manta's crew that got them the sub and, and Orm set it up. So later, like, mid credit stinger, right? Um, again, Black Manta's not in this movie at all. Volko's like, hey, Aquaman, it's great that you're king and all, but Orm was kind of onto something. We were attacked by a surface vessel ship. And uh, so, and you know, it's they're just kind of like, huh, I wonder why that is. Or maybe Aquaman's like, oh, wait, you were attacked by a submarine? That sounds familiar. And then, like, flashback to the reveal that it was Black Manta doing that whole thing. Um, so I, basically, I just want Black Manta to, to already exist and be a part of Aquaman's world, but not in this movie yet. And then um, also minor change as well along with this. I want Aquaman to be way more responsible for the death of Black Manta's father. I want him to like, instead of just ignoring saving him, I want him to be the reason that he died. Um, and that would be more impactful for the sequel hook. Um but yeah, basically, long story short, I just say, cut Black Manta out of this, lay the seeds in there that he's out there, that he's searching for Aquaman, and that maybe he had a part in this plot, um, but save him for the sequel. And then all the parts where it's Aquaman fighting Black Manta, just take 
Merc again, who's out there. He's already in this movie. He doesn't get enough screen time. Take him out. Uh, put him front and center, rather. And uh, and then that, I feel like that would just cohesive, cohesively fit better. There you go. Point number two made. Daryl Smith? Okay, my point number two, I'm, I'm titling this Better Quest Companion. Mm. So one of my... One of the things that I really enjoy about this this movie is the quest. It's Arthur's quest to find the trident, and so that he can defeat Orm and you know end the war and do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think he's doing it with the wrong person. I think we need to remove Mira from the equation and use the octopus with the drums. And use the octopus with the drums. <laughs> <laughs> all points now awarded to Daryl. Yep. Where no, it's. Uh, I think it should be Volko. And here's why. First of all, I think, we'll start with the negative first. I just don't think that Arthur and Mira have a whole lot of chemistry in this movie. Um, Whether that has to do with Jason Momoa and Amber Heard, or the writing, or whatever it is, it's just their story between the two of them doesn't interest me a whole lot. And I think this quest would have been a whole lot more interesting if he was on it with Volko. And if along the way, Volko was telling him more about Atlantis and he was really learning more about his mentor and more about himself and growing into this king that he would become by spending all this alone time with Volko, um, you could have worked in some sort of a super cool hero's death for Volko, sacrificing himself to save Arthur, thus solidifying his his desire to become king and live out his role. Hmm. And then, you know, vice versa, you could have Mira back in Atlantis being the one who is secretly undermining Orm instead of Volko, which I think just would have been a whole lot more interesting. Volko is a better character. It's a much better performance. Willem Dafoe did a really good job. And um, I honestly think that I know that Mira is ultimately the queen of Atlantis and she's to be Arthur's wife and... I know that's coming, and I know that's a big deal, and I want to get there, but I kind of feel like we could save it for a second movie. Hmm. So, better quest companion. All right, so two points have been made. Scott's point, ditch Black Manta. No Black Manta in this movie at all. Keep the submarine uh, inciting incident, and um, but just have... Uh, yeah, as a move, sequel hook. Yeah, yeah, move Black Manta to the second movie. You guys both have previewed second movies in both of your points, which is interesting. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Daryl's point being that it's a better quest companion have Volko replace uh, Mera in the in the being Aquaman's buddy, basically, right? Yeah. They're both excellent points. I think that both of so far all four points that have been made would improve this movie. There's no doubt in my mind. So, uh, what makes it difficult is that I'm in alignment with everything that you guys are saying, and I'm just trying to choose the best. Now, giving that caveat, one of you, one of you, said. So you mean not both of us? Not both of you. No, because I have to choose. There's two of us. You're only talking about one person. Just one person. So half of us. Not yeah, half of the both of you. If but I were to say both half. of you, but not then cut it in half, okay. that would be what I'm referring to. Okay. Cool. Um, Everyone following? I got yeah. it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Not 25% of both of you, but 50% of both <laughs> yeah. of you would yeah. be one of you. Either me or Scott. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think this could go on for another five minutes. <laughs> really and people could. would hate us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or love us. Either way. One of the two. Um, no, one of you made the point that I think is probably the 
best possible change that the movie could have in it. And that's got nice wonder. <gasps> I me. believe that the Black Manta change is 100% necessary. Um, the whole the whole side story with him is, in my opinion, a big distraction. I remember even while watching the film going like, why do we need this guy? <laughs> like, it doesn't yeah. seem like he's a part of this. It's, it's just kind of this kind of side character thing. Um, so I'm going to award the point to Scott Nicewander. Uh, both excellent points. I do agree with you that the romance angle there, um, it's, it's, it doesn't fit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's more. It's almost they're, if you said that they're brother and sister, it'd make more sense. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The the chemistry between them is is very strange. Uh, like there's one line where they're walking in the desert, and like she, like I don't know, he just says something very nonchalant, and she like, turns back around. And she's like, "You're about to give. I'm about to punch you in your face." And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. "This is where's this coming from?" Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a question here, and this is genuinely not meant to be a mean question. Yeah, this is coming from a place of ignorance, and I genuinely don't know the answer. Yeah, is Amber Heard an actress? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't remember anything stuff. else I've ever seen her in, and I, she she was in Drive Angry, shot in 3D with Nicolas Cage. Okay, my oh, question then, stands. Absolutely. No. <laughs> <laughs> was she married to Johnny Depp? Am I remembering that correctly? Yes. yes. Okay. Correct. Yes. That's not meant to be mean. I just, I genuinely couldn't think of anything else I'd ever seen her in. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I only know her from that one, I think. Well, I don't, I don't know that. Okay, so here, here's, just, I know that we can, let's, go, let's get into this more in the aftercast, but I sure. actually think that there are some reasons why the romance part doesn't work because of the two of them, which yeah. is more of an aftercast thing. So, oh, I got ideas yeah. for the aftercast. Yeah, we got a <laughs> yeah. lot of stuff there. Um, so, just want to go, going into point number three for both of you, it is tied. Oh. Going into the point number three, it is tied. Exciting. Scott with one point, Daryl with one yes. point. All right, Scott, let's get let's hear your third point. All right, this is the one I've put the most thought into because I immediately wanted this change the first time I saw the movie. Um, the whole Ring of Fire sequence, cut it. It's not important. Mm. It's to me, it's a fun fight scene, but it slows down the plot. The main plot to me is the quest to get the trident. And I feel like there's only really one super critical moment of that whole sequence. When I say the Ring of Fire sequence, I'm talking about between the point where after Volko explains the plans and they have the fight scene, like they get caught, and then you know, Aquaman gets caught and he's brought to Orm and they have their first kind of interaction, up until the point where Aquaman and Mira escape um, to go get the trident, right? So that whole sequence has one, I think, one critical element of the movie that I love, which is a great exchange between Aquaman and Orm, where Arthur says, uh, you know, I always, there was a time when I wanted to meet my little brother and let him know that he's not alone, but then I found out, you know, he's, what a dick he is. And I love that line, but then the following line immediately afterwards uh, is Orm saying, um, you know, you're the reason our mother is dead. And I feel like that little exchange, those like two lines between them is everything you need to know about their motivations and like how they feel about each other. Um, and we can move that dialogue exchange to the very end of the movie where they uh, fight, have their big climactic battle. And then of course, when Orm says, you know, um, you're the reason our mother died, 
that's when the reveal comes out that she's alive. Like, I mean, it's revealed to us and Aquaman, but he, Orm finds out, and that would be a more dramatic way to do that. Um, but I would just say it's already established that Mera can't be seen. Volko even tells her in that sequence, after he tells them the whole plan with the trident, go find it, then they get attacked. Mera can't be seen. Volko explains that very clearly. Uh, but I say she should just be seen. And then that's the inciting incident. And now she's now they're just like, Welp, no use hiding it. Let's go find that trident. And then they just take off and they go find the trident. And there's no point in doing the whole Ring of Fire sequence. And in fact, I kind of like the idea more that Aquaman and Orm keep missing each other throughout the movie. And they just keep hearing whispers of each other. Aquaman was over here. He invaded Atlantis and now he's got Mera. Because uh, we don't even need the whole plot line of Mera and Orm being betrothed. That didn't do anything to further the plot along. Oh, I didn't um, even remember that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's, I think it was supposed to be like, oh, what a big betrayal. But it's like, she was already like, you know, a really important diplomat. It's, that's more important than them being betrothed. But whatever. Um, yeah, so, so they go off and Aquaman and Orm just keep missing each other. And like, their big final battle is... Orm sees Aquaman in the the golden orange Aquaman garb with the golden trident. That's his first time he's seen his brother now. And then he realizes, oh, this is... I thought he was going to be like a drunk surface dweller. Oh, this this was a bad mistake by me. <laughs> and I think the fact that the, fi- the first time they interact is in their like final form, so to speak, is like super powerful in my head. Um... And it, and it just keeps building throughout the whole movie of like, are they going to meet? Are they going to cross paths? But they never do until the final fight. And that's what makes it impactful. And then they have that exchange of, I always wanted to meet you. Turns out you're a dick. Yeah, well, you're the reason our mom's dead. And then mom comes back out. And then, yeah. So that's, that's how I would take the most important parts from that sequence, but scrap the rest. And, uh... I think make a slightly shorter, tighter movie that gets right into the plot of let's go find this trident. So that's my big fix. Nice. I want that bit of argument in the movie. I want that dialogue. Right? You're you're a dick. (laughs) Well, you're the reason mom's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Daryl, it all comes down to this. It has been tied. Scott has made his case. It is now your turn to break the tie. Here's what's weird about this. Before we started the episode, we, in fairness, promised that we would pick an order for our responses and stick to it. Yes. Yeah. And I did that. Yes. And I wish my responses would have been ordered differently. (laughs) Oh, no. Because I am now basically going to argue with your second (laughs) response. With your second ideas, Interesting. I wanted... I couldn't change the order, so this is how it's shaken out. But... uh, So, I'm calling this argument... Pick a villain. Oh, okay. Mm. But I have a different take on this than Scott did for his second oh, point. So bring it on. I know I'm not arguing against that point. But um two villains with two different motivations is too big is too big a bite for this movie to chew. Like it was just too much stuff going on. Neither of them got their due. The difference with me is I would actually side with Black Manta. And there's a few reasons for that. I think he's the more interesting character. I think he has a better story. I think the the performance 
um, is way better by I might I hope I don't butcher this guy's name, but I think it's Yaya Abdul Mateen the second. Mm. He was fantastic. Um, I really liked the angle of Arthur letting his father die, and I was annoyed that he dealt with that very very little in the movie. Like it does get mentioned later on, and you kind of get the sense that he felt bad about it, but. That was a really interesting thing in the beginning of that movie that they just sort of let die. Mm. And so I think it would be more interesting if Black Manta was the main villain of the movie, if he was declaring war on Atlantis because of Arthur letting his father die, and he was doing all these terror strikes against Atlantis. Mm. And part of the reason he could do that is because Atlantis would be in a weakened state, in a vulnerable state, because of the missing trident. Therefore, bringing in the quest, Arthur would have to go and get the trident in order to bring Atlantis to its full strength, fight off Black Manta, take the throne as king, become the Atlantean that he really is. And Orm would still be here. He would still be in the movie. But... I think, man, for me, Ocean Master was probably the weakest character in this whole movie. And I didn't like Patrick Wilson's portrayal of him at all. And I just think Black Manta was so much more interesting. So I kind of don't care about the whole struggle for the throne story. But I do think there should be a hint of it. And just like Scott, I'm going to throw in a like a post-credit stinger here and tease a sequel. <laughs> um, because I think we should come to find out just at the tail end of the movie that Orm was actually working with Black Manta, thus setting up a struggle between Orm and Arthur in a second film. So that's what I'm going with. Pick a villain, and my pick is Black Manta. Really interesting. Ooh. Okay, so for a recap, Scott has to cut the entire Ring of Fire sequence, um, mm-hmm. just delete it out entirely, but keep that interaction of you're a dick. Well, you're the reason Mom's dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, which is which is really good. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why it's really good because that whole sequence for me actually really weakens um, Aquaman's character because he from the very beginning of the film has been this kind of like pseudo irresponsible pseudo responsible character and in that moment he takes on the fight and 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 it seems like he's taking on the fight so that he can show himself to be worthy of being a king right i mean that's the whole point of the ring of fire yeah yeah and yet or it was just a cheap rip off of a black panther yeah well <laughs> it's much worse than that though because he actually just subverts the whole purpose by being irresponsible and running away from the fight so if I, I don't know how he ever can become king of Atlantis that way. It's like, dude, you ran away from this fight. You like literally ran away. Like, uh, and that that is pretty subversive to the story. So that's an excellent point. Um, however, it's going to come down to the question, obviously, that I'm going to ask in the end. But before we get there, I have to award a point one way or the other. You do. I do uh, I do agree with Scott's point. Absolutely, it is necessary. I think it weakens Aquaman's character. However, Uh-oh. I think <laughs> yeah. I this is the this is the pro- one of the big problems I have with this film is that it has so many storylines 
Mm-hmm. It needs to be made smaller. So I think that that it's wise to remove things from the story, but it's wiser to remove entire characters from the story, remove entire conflicts from the story altogether, remove entire barriers to what's happening in the film. And so it's interesting because if if you had both argued the same point, this is and, what I'm dying to know. Yeah, yeah. If you had yeah. both argued po- your, your Daryl's point number three that it should be all about um, Black Manta, and if Scott yeah. had argued no way he shouldn't even appear in this film at all, I would have sided with Scott. But <laughs> because I believe this is so important to this film to do away with multiple villains, I would have taken it either way. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to award this point to Daryl. So d- going nice. into the final question, so my my weird choice and ordering it's, actually paid off yeah it was the right call for sure <laughs> it was the I mean, right call it was the what right i call. what i'm hearing is this movie is like a traffic jam trying to get to atlantis and we need to just clear that away <laughs> exactly yes. right yeah exactly mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. exactly right mm-hmm. so i also have to say you so you mentioned the reveal of the mother still being alive yeah just for the fun of it i i saw Earlier tonight, I saw How It Should Have Ended video on this, on Aquaman. Oh, someone was telling me about this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And in the scene when he goes to get the trident, he's about to grab it. And Batman comes out and grabs it instead. He's like, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> and then he walks, Batman walks out of the waterfall in like the full orange and green suit, but with his cowl and stuff. <laughs> yes. And then he sees um, the mom, uh-huh. which is, you know, remember, it's Nicole Kidman. Yeah. He sees her and he goes, hey, Chase. Good to see you again. And it's a, this weird little random offhand reference to her character That's, Chase Meridian in Batman that, Forever. Forgot. Oh, no That's way. That's incredible. No way. And I thought that was awesome. I thought that well I thought that part of Scott's last point here was to name the mother Martha. And that was going to be a whole yes. other thing. Oh, they talk uh, about that. Correct. Did they really yeah. talk about that? Yeah. Aquaman oh. is sitting down at a table with Batman and Superman. Yeah. And he's like, I still have my mom. And I still have my dad, and neither of them are named Martha. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. I gotta go watch that now. All right, so going into going into my question, uh, mm-hmm. it is Daryl two points to Scott's one point. But this you don't have question, to remind me. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I need to because I feel like I need to hype you up for this last question that we're gonna do. So the last question is worth two points, meaning this this is still up in the air. This this can still be one. And the question I have for you guys, and just so everybody who's listening knows, we take a little bit of a break so that they, so these guys have a chance to think about this for a little bit. Cue the Jeopardy music. Yeah, cue the Jeopardy music. But uh, the question I have for you guys is, guys is, what moments really made this movie? Because I think, I think, Scott, you said you enjoyed this movie, right? Oh, I sure did. Yeah. What, what, would, you, what would you say? Like, Tell me your, your enjoyment level. How would you... Um, I don't know if this is a helpful anecdote, but I saw this movie with a friend of mine who's an Aquaman encyclopedia. He knows the Aquaman lore in and out. Mm. And I, as soon as the movie was over, I turned to him and I could tell that he did not have a very good time with this movie. Mm. And my very first words to him were, you cannot stop me from loving this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you. I'm going home. <laughs> yes. So that, I don't know if that's a helpful indicator of my excitement level of, of enjoying this movie, but I loved it. I, I really enjoyed okay, it. Okay, good. So you loved it. Daryl, how did you feel about it? I actually really enjoyed it too. I mean, I have my complaints. I do think that 
the underwater stuff really started to feel like a Star Wars prequel to me. But <laughs> but there's always a bigger fish. But uh, I'm not going to get too much more specific than that because I don't want to take away any of my steam for answering your question. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Now I enjoyed it too. Probably not as much as either of you. But it's not like I don't think it's a bad film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that the story has massive problems, but they still made it fun, which, yeah. which is not easy to do. But from a Fast and Furious guy, it actually makes sense because those are yeah. usually fun, <laughs> not necessarily always the best stories in the world. <laughs> um, so my question for you guys is this. I think that what makes these this movie fun is the moments. There's a lot of really great moments. So my question is, what moments, reflect on what moments made this movie fun? And then how would you change the story to work itself around those moments and make one or two of those moments more prolific in the film itself and make the film more about those things? Um, and, and, then, and then, then make the movie more cohesive and all around more focused. Does that make sense as a question? Mm-hmm. I think so, okay. yeah. Excellent. Then with that, I will leave you, to, leave you guys to uh, deliberate amongst yourselves. And we'll be back. All right, we're back. They've had time to think about this. Um, okay, so I, I know that uh, Scott went first for most of this uh, most of this episode. So I'm gonna actually have Daryl go first for this one. Um, okay, so I went with a few here. Um, my, the first thing that came to mind when you asked this question was the fight sequences that we see on land. Mm. So specifically, Atlanta's fight sequence with the Atlantean soldiers in the beginning of the film. Um, and then also the fight sequence in, I believe they're in Italy when black Manta is attacking Arthur and Mira. I think some of those scenes exhibit what I have said before is groundbreaking filmmaking. I think some of those scenes are absolutely beautiful and set a bar for this movie that the rest of it does not live up to. Um, so it has this grandness to the action and it's almost like it's really beautiful action. It's like a dance. It's like it has this orchestration to it that is great. And then the stuff underwater with all the CGI is just a lot more sloppy. Hmm. So I feel like that hurts the characters a little bit too because we lose kind of what makes them interesting as they're going forward. Um, but more specifically story-wise, I would say... One of the best things for me is actually the opening sequence when we first meet Arthur as an adult in the submarine and he allows Black Manta's father to die. That choice I thought was so interesting and so dark and it sort of took me to that headspace that Zack Snyder took me to at the end of Man of Steel when Superman snaps Zod's neck and just sort of this edge that I wasn't expecting this character to have. And I was thinking, I am stoked for this movie. I just saw Aquaman's mom kill a bunch of soldiers, and that was freaking cool looking. Mm. And now Aquaman let Black Manta's father die, and he doesn't care. And he's sort of this dark character, and I can't wait to see how that affects the rest of this movie. And I just don't think it did. I don't think they paid it off. Mm. So I feel like if they would have focused in on that more and really showed what that moment did to him as a character mm. and how he had to change within himself in order to learn from that and move forward and become who he was going to be, I think that would have been much more interesting. 
And then the third thing that came to mind was the time that we saw him with Volko when Volko was training him. And I feel like there's a cool relationship there that they sort of just left by the wayside by really not allowing Arthur and Volko to spend much time together in the present. Like we just saw them together in flashbacks when Arthur was a teenager, but we didn't get to see what that relationship looks like now. And I think if we did, that would make a lot more sense to Arthur growing and becoming the king of Atlantis. I feel like Volko is an important rung in that ladder for mm-hmm. him to climb. So, Yeah, that's good. That's a very, very, very uh, intense story change. Scott, what would you say? What, was, what would your answer be? <sighs> Come with me on a journey to the depths of the mysterious ocean. My favorite parts of this movie, hands down, were seeing the different kingdoms. Atlantis, Zebel, the Fisherman, the Brine, the Trench, even the remnants of the Deserters. I loved that whole idea. It felt very Lord of the Rings to me. And maybe that's because I had just finished reading The Hobbit for the first time before I saw this movie, so that stuck in my head a lot. So I think seeing all of their different cultures, seeing Atlantis and Zebel be kind of buddy-buddy, but seeing them, you know, the fishermen are, they accuse them of being pacifists and poets who are weak, too weak to fight. And then you go to the brine and you see that the brine are like these, you know, charging into battle, ready to fight whoever they want sort of creatures. And then the trench, the trench are terrifying. And and even the deserter kingdom, what we saw of it, was such a great moment and such a cool sequence. I think, to me, honing in on that idea that this is basically Lord of the Rings, but superheroes. I want that to be a main focus of this movie. And I think a way that they can change that is by having Aquaman get companions from all of the other kingdoms as well to help him along his journey. He already has Zebel with uh, with Mera, so that's off to a good start. I would even count um, the uh, the Kraken, which isn't called the Kraken in this movie, but you know, <laughs> Julie from <Andrews>. the <laughs> yes, from the hidden Dorothy. kingdom or the the hidden <laughs> sea, right? You don't need the trench monsters. I feel like having a companion like that would kind of throw everything off. But imagine having a companion from the fisherman kingdom where they're not going to fight, but they're going to help you guide you with interesting ideas or guide Aquaman. I'm talking like it's a video game. They're going to guide Aquaman with like, Oh, I know this information, but I'm I'm not going to help fight. And then that adds conflict when they're in a battle and they're like, you have to help us fight. And they're like, I don't want to, I can't do that. Meanwhile, you have like the headstrong member of the brine. Who's like, you know, I'm going to go hurt anyone, you know? So it's like you have this interesting team of people around Aquaman who are all like, look, we're kind of the outcasts from our kingdoms who believe in you to unite our sea more than Orm, and we want to help you do that. And so, number one, we get an interesting glimpse at all these different kingdoms and cultures more now that we have these characters in focus. And it just makes it feel like a Fellowship of the Ring type of thing where they're all banding together to try and find the trident. And that's, it's just, I think it sets it up as like a really cool ensemble movie. Um, So that to me 
Those are my favorite moments of the film, seeing the kingdoms, and I want them to embrace it by having more companions from those kingdoms. That's my, that's my answer. Mm. Well, you guys are definitely not making it easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> so if I were to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do- That's not our job. I'm going to do a little paraphrasing. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> a little paraphrasing for these films. Because if Daryl were to, to remake Aquaman around the best moments of the film, he would have made- Aquaman is about Aquaman learning to become a hero because he starts out almost as a villain who will not rescue someone's dad and lets their dad die. That'd be kind of a, how I would try and sell that. There's a lot of training with Volko to understand what he should be like, how he should grow, how should he should change. With uh, Sounds like uh, Black Manta is still the, the main villain in this one. Yeah. And then, if I were to kind of summarize uh, Scott, Nos- Scott Nice Wonder's um, idea, which would be taking, I'm, so I'm just basically like writing the, the blurbs for your guys' back cover yes. of Aquaman. <laughs> so, I mean, what I like about our two ideas is like, again, you're, you're focusing on the Black Manta side, and I'm focusing on the Orm side, yeah. which means they could be sequels of one I another. Know. Right? We just wrote the movies. We did. We wrote the whole franchise. You're welcome. <laughs> Someone and, call James Wan. Yeah, call, call him now. <laughs> And so, so Scott's movie will be about basically the quest for the trident because with the trident he will unite the kingdoms and be able to overcome, uh, in this case, his half-brother, I guess, right? Half-brother would be the right way of describing him. Yeah. Um, so, so, so he's Lord of the Rings and I'm Karate Kid. <laughs> yes, <laughs> basically, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, so here's, the, pro- here's the, um, the inherent problem I have is that uh, – I think that the best movie that you guys have described um, is actually uh, Scott Nicewander's movie about having a Lord of the Rings film that doesn't include Black Manta. Uh, That, I think, is probably the movie that I'm most excited about. However... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Again. I'm going to award the points to Daryl. Oh, come Victory! Yeah, here's why, though. Here's why. Here's why. I, right. I actually think, um, I, even though I'm a little bit more excited about Scott's ideas, and I feel like the ideas he put out there are actually the ones that I'd be more invested in, I don't know that I can find that it tells a, a, a better story. So... As Daryl talks about him, one of the biggest flaws I see in this film is that, and I'm going to talk about this actually in the aftercast. Yeah, I don't know whose film this is. It's sort of Aquaman's film, but like there are so many other characters going through so many other journeys, and because of that, we don't see Aquaman's character change very well. I don't see it very well. I can't pick it out. It's supposed to be him going from being like sort of irresponsible to more responsible. But then they throw in kind of like a, oh, you're scared to do it at the very end. But there's no way he's scared <laughs> at the beginning of the film. Like, he's not yeah. scared. Like, he's not, that's not a yeah. deal. And so I think that what Daryl's change does is it solidifies the character journey of Aquaman in such a way that adds quite a bit of strength to the story itself. So I want to see Scott's movie. I want to see Scott's movie probably more than I want to see Daryl's movie. But I think Daryl's movie does a better job with the story. And so that's why I'm awarding the points to Daryl. That is uh, way too difficult to choose on that. I love all those made, ideas. I knew I like could win made the something. right call. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, I have to say, Scott, while you were going into yours and you started yeah. talking about the different creatures and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I literally mouthed 
to Jay, I was like, oh shit, the trench. Like, <laughs> I was afraid you were going to focus in on the trench. And I was like, that's going to kill me. <laughs> well, the way that Scott sold his idea from the very beginning, where he's like, the mysteries <laughs> of the deep. I'm like, oh, he's going to win. He's going to take it all home. I love this. Um, so you guys both did amazing on that. Now, I'm going to tease the aftercast a little bit because yeah. um, I, I, I think there's a lot to talk about. And you guys have put together so many good ideas that I am just really excited about it. I'm going to tease the aftercast by saying this. The aftercast is available to our patrons and our patrons only. However, we're going to talk about some really cool stuff on the aftercast. And I want more people to be able to be exposed to it. So here's the deal. If you send us an email at thestorygeeks at gmail.com and you leave us an iTunes review. Doesn't take you that long to leave an iTunes review. Go in and just tell, like, say, just say, I, whatever you say. I love Scott Nicewander. Period. And submit your review. <laughs> yeah, great. Perfect review as yeah. an iTunes review of our show. That was an iTunes review of <laughs> yes. our show. That's totally fine too. Just send me an email. You, know what you should do like leave, have the iTunes review be a, a make it better of the podcast. <laughs> oh, how would you make it better? That would be awesome. That would be awesome. You can do that too. You can do that too. But whatever you do, write us a review, email us at thestorygeeks at gmail.com. Let me know that you did that, and I will send you a link with the file to the Africast. Because I'm going to equate this film to Coco. I think it has some similarities <laughs> to Coco, and I'll get into why I believe Whoa. that is. So we're going to transition into that. We're going to make this movie better in more ways. We all like this movie. Okay, it's a really we'll all add movie. to that tease. Yeah. I'm going to equate it to Moana. Oh, there you go. Well, yeah, that's that's it's all in the aquatic nature on there. Um, <laughs> I'm going to equate it to Lord of the Rings. Again. <laughs> <laughs> and so these are going to be awesome ideas. Um, but before we break into the aftercast, Scott, one more time, tell the folks like where your stuff is at so that they can get over there. Yeah, you can uh, find my videos on YouTube at uh, just search for NerdSync. You can find it pretty well. I use comic books and superheroes to teach about real-world history, science, philosophy, culture, uh, that kind of stuff. And uh, I've been diving into making longer, more intricate videos lately. So have fun. They're kind of a chore to get through, but hopefully people like them. Um, and then you can also find me on social media at NerdSync. Um, if you want to tell me that my ideas were better than everyone else's, <laughs> that's, that's a good place to do it. You should, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, give him some love, of course. And, and by the way, Scott is yeah. working towards his five-timer jacket because I think this is your fourth time on the show. I think so. Yes. Man, it feels like more. I know. Well, that's just because he's awesome, so we always like to have him Aww. on the show. Thank you. So go check out Scott's channel. It is amazing, and we are going to jump in to the Africa. That's it for today's show. Special thanks to Scott Nicewander from NerdSync for joining us today. And special thanks to Jay Shear for naming me the winner of this episode. I've been wanting to win one of these things for a while and finally got to bring home the victory. For more great content from the Story Geeks, head over to thestorygeeks.com and you'll find blogs from Ashley and Anthony. And if you head over there right now and become a supporter of the Story Geeks for $2 a month or more, you unlock access to this week's Aftercast, where we have even more ideas on how to make Aquaman better, as well as all of the other Aftercasts that we've done in the past. Also, if you enjoyed today's show or any of the Story Geeks podcasts, please tell somebody, share it with a friend. Also, write us a review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate that. And just help us spread the word so we can have more conversations with more people. Thanks for listening in. And as always, question everything in your favorite geek stories and always seek the truth.